Amen. You are so good. Want to pose for a cool picture? Here you go. Look at that. I see cameras. Yeah. Look out there. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that cool? Okay. Yeah, they're done. All right. <laughs> there we go. All right. God bless you guys. Here we go. So what do you think of that little guy? He's pretty cool, huh? <laughs> All right. That's fun. Let's turn in our Bibles now to Galatians chapter 4. As we continue in our study as the Apostle Paul, as we're going through Galatians, we're realizing that what God has for us as Christians is so much better than what religion could offer. That it's not about jumping through hoops and following rules, but it's a relationship that's all based on what he has done for us, not what we have to do for him. As we're entering chapter 4, we're heading into the second half of this book. We've been here for quite a while, but we'll take as long as it takes to move our way through it and see what God would show us. I want you to use your imagination right now and transport yourself to a different world. All of a sudden, one day you wake up and something's terribly wrong in the world. Some totalitarian force has taken over, and now instead of being free as you're used to, you've become somewhat of a slave. It's a brave new world, and there's a government that's overseeing everything that you're doing. Your freedom to transport yourself and to drive, it's gone. Oh, you need to learn things? You can't just read what you want. You have to read what they tell you to read and learn what they tell you to learn. And someone else is responsible. They're your boss. They're your supervisor. They are above you. Freedom is a thing of the past. And now Big Brother is running everything, and you are basically a slave. Imagine what that would be like. For most of us, as adults, we would go, that would be horrible. But for the kids who are here, they're saying, welcome to my world. Because you see, in reality, that's what the life of a child is like. There's really not much difference between a child and a slave, ultimately. The same kinds of, well, one may be more comfortable than the other, but it depends on your perspective. Now, in these days, Paul takes this analogy and talks about what it's like to be a kid. And he says, it's a lot like being a slave. You don't have rights. You don't have freedoms. You can't do the things that you want to do. You're basically being trained to jump through hoops. You're being given orders, and the answer as to why is because I said so. And that's the way life is. But, he says, you know, hey, even if you're Bill Gates' son, you still have to live under that kind of restriction. But it's preparing you for the day when you graduate to adulthood and you're set free. And you're told, now you're grown. Now you get the freedoms. Now you have the opportunities. And he paints this picture. In their culture, in the Jewish culture where Paul grew up, they had something after someone was, after 12 years of life, they would bar mitzvah you. It's where they would say, now you have become an adult. And you'd have this great ceremony, and the father would pray over his son and say, God, I thank you that my son is not my responsibility any longer. 
And the son would pray and thank God for the freedom of putting him where he is and making him into a man. Now, most of these people that Paul was writing to there in Galatia weren't Jews. And so the whole bar mitzvah thing they couldn't relate to. But they, as a part of the Roman Empire, understood a rite that the Romans used to celebrate, and it usually happened, well, they decided when the child was ready, but usually 17, 18 years old. They had a ceremony whereby a child became an adult. And when they would do this, one of the things that they would do is this child would have to bring all their toys and haul them out there and sacrifice them, burn their toys, signifying that it's time to grow up. It's time to move into a new phase of life. It's the ceremony that Paul was alluding to in 1 Corinthians when he said, you know, when I was a kid, I did childish things. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. I got rid of the toys. And so for them, that was the time that would signify you are now a free man. You're a citizen of the Roman Empire. You're no longer... a." being treated like a slave. Now, if someone was free and they were wealthy, the one, they didn't raise their own children. They had slaves raise their children for them. The school teachers in those days were slaves, tutors. The, the other people who helped around the household would also discipline the children. A parent wouldn't discipline a child in those days. That was, you know, that's messy. You don't want to do that. So they hired people to do it for them. Not a bad system in some ways. But it was this irony that the slaves were the bosses of the children until one day the kids would grow up and they were pronounced as adults. And now those slaves worked for them. They very often kept a very close relationship because of the time they spent. But it was awkward for a while as a slave supervising a child who would one day own you, would one day be your boss. It's the kind of system that they still have in systems of royalty. For instance, over in England where they still have this whole, you know, the queen and princes and all that. Prince Charles' two kids, William and Harry, you know, they call them an heir and a spare. In case something happens to the older one, you have another one warming up in the bullpen to be the next king. But I read one time where Prince William, when he was just four or five years old, was being disciplined by one of the servants, one of the people who are hired to do that. And they, would, they had the right to administer corporal punishment, to do whatever they needed to do. But Prince William got angry with his, with his tutor, and he yelled out, when I am king, I will have you beheaded. <laughs> but you hope that by the time they get old enough, they've kind of outgrown that, and you don't, they understand that it was for their good and all. Well, this is the picture that Paul is using here in Galatians. Earlier in chapter 3, he talked about it a little. Now he goes into more detail. It's in that cultural context that he is referencing the relationship of our past life, whether a Jew is under the law or whether as a, a Gentile who is under the limitations that he discovers from life, those things that led us to where we understood that we needed help. We've been seeing how the role of your past and the role of the law is really to have these rules set and then you figure out you can't follow the rules. And once you discover that, you realize you need help. And that is the most important lesson for us to learn in life is that we need help, that we can't do it on our own. 
Now, for the Jews, they had the law, all of these regulations and restrictions. For some of us and for many of the Gentiles, it wasn't so much a law as it was discovering that I have limitations, trying to do things and realizing that I can't make it, I can't do it, I can't even live by my own standards. And then recognizing I need help, and that's where Jesus comes along. But let's begin reading in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Though he is master of all, he may someday own it all, but when he's a kid, he might as well be a slave. He is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. The elements of the world. Could refer to a lot of different things. It's used to refer to the rules and regulations of the law in certain places. It's also used in places to refer to those things that people do to try to find satisfaction apart from Jesus Christ, apart from a relationship with God. But his point is, and what he's saying is, you used to live in a certain realm, and all of that realm was designed to prepare you for freedom and to prepare you for adult life. Prepare you for the responsibilities that you would one day have, but the rights and freedoms that come along with that. And that's true for all of us. Now, some of us don't want to grow up. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. And ultimately, it's kind of tragic when you see someone who just refuses to grow up. Now, I think a lot of times we associate growing up with something that's much different than what it really is. And when we tell people to grow up, we mean be boring like me. That's not what he really has in mind. However, there are things that are a part of your past, that are part of my past, that are designed to teach us a lesson, and then we ought to get over it. We should get past it. See, whether you were a part of a religious upbringing or whether you weren't, there were elements, elementary things, basics of life that you went through, but it's kind of sad if you never get past them. When you're learning anything, there's elementary school. There's an opportunity to learn some pieces and some blocks that you begin to put together. And hey, when you're first beginning to develop hand-eye coordination and all that, it's great to play with blocks, to be able to say, oh, this one goes here and this one can sit on top of it and ooh, look what I've done. It's kind of sad if you're 30 and you're still doing that. Going, look, honey, called the kids in, look what I made out of blocks. Now, there are some people who get all into building elaborate, you know, buildings of dominoes or whatever. And I, I guess if you're into that, that's fine. But I kind of look at it as like, that's great for kids. But come on, do, build, build real buildings if you really want to build something. Don't sit here and play around. Don't play with toys. I remember... You know, when my kids were small, it would be fun to go out in the backyard and dig a little tunnel and get the Tonka trucks and make noises, and the kids would just have a great time with it. Or you have the big old truck, and they could sit on it, and then I'd sit on it and and play and have fun. But And that was great, and it's good for kind of keeping you young. But how would you feel if you came over to my house now? (laughs) And Ann goes, oh, Dave's out in the yard going out there. And I'm out there by myself with trucks crashing them and everything, blowing them up. And you'd go, man, that's kind of sad. Because 
There are things that are fine to teach you what you need to learn. And yet, if we're going to continue to grow and to move forward, we have to get over some of those things. And whether it's the elements of religion or whether it's the frustrations of life, we just need to get over them. We shouldn't stay there. And that's kind of what Paul is illustrating for them here. You know, it's okay that, you know, when you were a little kid, maybe you prayed uh, the Sheriff John prayer when you, before you ate. God is great. God is good. Thank you for our daily food. I think that's how it went, isn't it? Yeah, and they had a little song to go with it. But it's not too cute. If you're 50 and you're out to a restaurant with people and they say, why don't you pray? And you say that. They would go, what's wrong with you? But, you know, he here is saying, look, you were in bondage whether you realized it or not. You were so limited. Now, for some of you, that bondage maybe was religious. It's still bondage, going through the motions. For others of you, you were in bondage to something else. Before you came to the Lord, you were in bondage to just trying to get as much money as you possibly could to achieve as much status as you possibly could. And if that put you in bondage, that was, again, an elementary thing. Something that ultimately I hope you've outgrown and you've discovered that that's not really what life is about. For others of you, you are in bondage to various substances, to trying to feel the best that you could feel. So the most you could drink or the most drugs you could use that would get you to that point of euphoria for just a short period of time, that's what you were a slave to. I just am a slave to how I feel and I want to feel as good as I can. Others of you were enslaved to thrills. As fast as you could drive, as many chances as you could take, you wanted to get that adrenaline rush that comes and it's just, ah. But... Whatever it is, all of those things were in your life for a reason. And I don't think you should sit and moan and groan about, oh boy, I wish I had never done this or I wish I had never done that. Because what happened in your life and what happened in mine is each of us ultimately who have come to Jesus Christ hit a wall at some point. We got to a level and we go, you know what? I realize everything that I've been valuing, it's just not cutting it anymore. Those habits that I fell into or those activities that I participated in, all of a sudden it just feels empty. It's not enough. There's something missing in my life. And when we come to that point, that life has done exactly what it's supposed to do. It leads us to the point where we realize that we need help. And some people, they don't get that until they're 70 years old or more. Some people figure it out at a pretty young age. But for each of us, when we come to the end of ourselves, when we come to the end of our own resources and we realize, I need something more, now we look back and say, you know, those things did what they were supposed to do. They taught me that they couldn't satisfy me. They taught me that they couldn't make me who I am. They couldn't fulfill my life. And so, as he says, we were in bondage. All of us were in bondage to something. But verse 4, but when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son Jesus at the perfect time in history. If he had come a little bit before that, before the Roman Empire had conquered most of the known world, 
it would have been almost impossible for the gospel to spread the way it did because the Romans built this great system of roads as well as the seaways, but they put roads everywhere. Not only that, a universal language had developed. And, and so you could go anywhere and people knew either Greek or Latin. And it was easy to have communications happening. But not only that, when Jesus came, it was a perfect fulfillment of prophecy as we talked about a few weeks ago. That from Daniel's prophecy, where he said, from the day that Artaxerxes puts out a declaration to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, you can count 173,880 days and Messiah is going to come. And then he'll be cut off. It happened right on time. But here's the great thing. Not only was it the perfect time when the fullness of time had come when Jesus came to redeem us, to buy us back, to help us out, to save us from ourselves, but for you and for me, he was revealed to us at the perfect time also. You remember what it was like before you came to the Lord. You think, you know, I had hit the wall. I got to the point where something was missing. I was getting desperate. If it wasn't him, I don't know what it would be. And God stepped in right at that point. And he revealed himself to you. He showed up. And he said, it's time for you to grow up. It's time for me to do something in your life that everything else you've experienced was simply preparation for what I ultimately wanted to do. And God showed up for each of us. Now, some of you may be very, you know, proudly saying, you know, he showed up for me early. I've always loved God. I can't remember not believing in Him. And, you know, I'm thankful that I didn't have to go do stupid things that you guys did. Right away, when I was just a little kid, I just became an adult. And I accepted Jesus Christ. Well, that's great. I'm so happy for you. That's a wonderful thing. But it's not something really to be proud of because what you're saying is God knew what would happen to you if He didn't jump in right away. He knew. <laughs> He knew what you were going to do, and he just said, you know what, we better take a shortcut with this one. <laughs> you may think that God hadn't really saved you from a lot of bad stuff, but believe me, if you look down the road, you'd see God saved you from a lot, and you should be grateful for that. I think every one of us know what we could have been without the Lord, and that's something that, from which he rescued us. But his point here, as he, as he lays it out, is he's saying, you know, you used to be enslaved. You used to be controlled by things that couldn't save you. And, and you lived for things that were worthless. But he said, just at the right time, the Lord came along and he said, you know what, I'm going to buy you. I am going to adopt you. What a beautiful image, the adoption of a son. See, it's not like we were always growing up as heirs and everyone knew someday we'd come to the throne. Most of us people looked at us and thought, there's no way you're ever coming to any throne. There's no way I know what your future is, most likely to whatever. But see, God chose us. That's the beautiful thing about being adopted. A kid who's adopted doesn't pick their parents. You don't have a baby there, and, and then they prop them up and try to get them to walk to whichever family they want. Adoptive parents come in, and just like somebody who's getting a dog, and they go, oh, I want that one. And it's a great privilege to be adopted in life. It's a greater privilege to be adopted by God, to have Him look at us as messed up as we are, as frustrated and desperate as we are, and for God to say, you, I'm picking you. You're my child. And the cool thing is, you're adopted by God, and all of a sudden He said, 
congratulations, you're grown up now. You have freedom. I'm releasing you to live your life. I, I'm not burdening you. I'm not saying you need to earn your way into this family. Yeah, we'll adopt you, but first thing you need to do is be our, the slave to our real kids for a few years, and then ultimately we'll vote, and if they vote to make you full-fledged, then you can have freedom too. No, when you adopt someone, they're your child, same as if they were born to you. And that's why we can be said to be heirs along with Christ. In a sense, the Bible says that we are like become the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and He's our Savior, but He's our brother because He says, I want you to be adopted into this family, and everything that I have the right to, I'm giving those rights to you as well. And so, just at the right time, He came along and redeemed us so that we might receive the adoption as sons. In verse 6, and because you are sons, because you're His children, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your heart, crying out, Abba, Father. Abba is the Aramaic word that was used as a term of endearment, like daddy. Now, to those of us who are big people, the whole daddy thing seems a little odd, a little different. Because it's one thing if you adopt a little baby and they say, Dada. But adopting big people and saying, you're now an heir, you're an adult, congratulations. But see, everybody needs that daddy and mommy thing. Everybody needs that connection. You don't ever outgrow that. And so God essentially says, I've adopted you and I'll always be your daddy. But I'm also telling you, you're free. I'm also telling you that you can do more than you thought you could. That you can have freedom that you can't imagine. I'm blessing you. And then when you come back to my heart, I'll always hold you when nobody's looking so you won't be embarrassed. And, and I'll love you and you can call me daddy. And so he says, therefore, you're no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. This is who we are in him, as we talked about last week. But, he says in verse 8, Then, indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. He goes, everybody, before you came to the Lord, you were, you were serving something that wasn't worth your loyalty. But now, after you have known God, or rather are known by God, it's, it's nice that you accept Jesus Christ, but it's much nicer that he accepts you. And he goes, since that's happened, how is it? Can't figure this out. How is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements, again, those elementary things, to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. You're jumping through the hoops. You're celebrating all the rituals. He said, I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Paul said, here's the danger You've grown up. You've been proclaimed an adult by God. He has given you your inheritance, and you're free, and He wants you to live in relationship with Him, not by following the rules of some religion. And He goes, but I can't figure out why you want to go back and be enslaved again to what you were a slave of before. Now, for some of these people, they were putting themselves under the Old Testament law. Paul was going, hey, I know what that's about. I grew up with that. Why in the world would you want that? Why would you want to go back into something that, that the Messiah came in order to fulfill that part? 
and to move you past it. But for other people, they would go back and become enslaved to things that they had been enslaved to before. And his question to them is, why would you ever want to go backwards? Why do you want to do that? Why would you allow that to happen? And it's God's question to each of us when we, our lives begin to drift back into those old habits, back into those old patterns, trying to recreate something that was there before. Now, I understand sometimes growing up is painful. Oh, it's glorious, and there's a wonderful freedom that comes with being grown up. But not only that, there are responsibilities, certainly. And sometimes you just wish you could go back and have a parent support you and take care of you and feed you and clothe you, and you don't have to think and you don't have to figure and you don't have to make decisions. And sometimes that sounds good. But understand this, freedom is something that is infinitely more valuable than the security of being a little kid. Being under the law is secure. Give me the rules and I'll try to follow them and I'll fail. Hey, that's secure. But it's also frustrating because you can't keep the rules. But Paul was saying, why? Why go backwards? And I think for all of us, at times, the pressures of life, the pressures of freedom cause us to question whether or not we really want to be free. And as a result, we fall back to a safe place. A safe place of legalism or a safe place of trying to fulfill the need that is within us with something that we already know won't fulfill it, and we move backwards. It's crazy to do something like that. And Paul's going, why? Why would you want to do that? He said, I feel like if that's what you're going to do, I've labored in vain. I'm afraid for you because you're going to get ripped off and go backwards in life. Those things were there and they fulfilled their purpose. They showed you that you need help. They showed you that you can't save yourself, that you can't satisfy yourself, that you can't fulfill yourself. But hey, you're past that. Do you understand that, you know, for for many of us, we don't even stop to think until maybe you lose someone that you love, that right now at this moment, there are people from, from our country, our kids and grandkids who are halfway around the world putting their lives on the line to try to give a gift of freedom to some people who have never in generations ever had a notion of what it is to be free. And yet, for us, we have that freedom and we take it so for granted. Sometimes we just wish someone would just tell us what to do. That we wouldn't have to have that freedom. Oh man, I don't want to go vote. I don't, you know, if you vote, next thing you know, you're called for jury duty. And it's just, oh, man, I'd rather be off the grid. And, you know, we want to escape adult responsibilities, but we lose sight of how valuable that freedom really is, how precious it should be to us. And so we go backwards. Now, a lot of people revert to legalism. But some people go back and try to find satisfaction in things that they've already learned wouldn't satisfy them. I remember when I was younger, I'd play softball many nights a week sometimes. And it was a lot of fun. It was a good diversion. Probably kept me out of some trouble. But, you know, today, if I started to do that again, my family's back at home and I'm out there trying to play softball every night. How stupid. It was was good for that time. But I've realized there are some more important things I can do with my time. Now, I'm not saying don't play. You should play. It's good. But have a balance. God has to show you at what point you've crossed that line to where now you're escaping back into something that you should have outgrown. 
I would suggest that if you have a family and you're still playing fantasy football or something on the computer, maybe you might want to grow up a little. You might want to move past it. I don't know. If God tells you that that's your ministry, fantasy football or whatever, but here's how you can tell. Same thing goes for being glued to the TV set, watching sports all the time. Here's how you tell. You have it on there and it's just fun and you enjoy it? Or does it get you mad and stressed? And, you know, after last night, the Lakers just completely give away a game, get blown out by 30 points, losing the opportunity to, for the honor of coming and losing to the Clippers next week. And, and it's like, already, it's Sunday. The week just started and already your week is ruined. And you're still thinking back to that previous game. Why didn't they give the foul and two points and they would have won by one? And I, isn't it sounding like a job? Isn't it sounding like something that you're enslaved to? And Paul would say, why do you want to do that? How would you feel if you came by the church during the week? And I had Kenny and Jeff and Bob. And we're, you saw us kind of huddled over in the corner and we were smoking a joint. Or we had a big old bong, and we're all like, <laughs> and we're playing like, we had some beads hanging around, and we're, you know, Inagata Davidas, Inagata Davidas. And you go like, what is this? And we're what? We can't play? We can't have fun? Yeah, but dude, the 60s is over. You know, and you're, you're not a hippie any longer. Get past that. Don't do that. You'd feel the same way as you'd see if I'm playing with a Tonka truck out in the dirt out here. Or you come by the church for a counseling appointment, they go, yeah, Dave's down in the sanctuary. You come in here, and I had the, the uh, jumping house set up in here, and I'm just in there, woohoo! You know? so there's nothing wrong with a jumping house, but come on, call for help if you see that happening. <laughs> it's just not right. And we don't have to fight over the rights and wrongs of things. Is this a sin or whatever? Instead, we should look at our life and go, is my life now reflecting a freedom or am I enslaved? Am I acting like a, a kid or am I coming to the point where I understand that was fine for a season, but I've moved past it. I, I'm growing. I realize there are certain things that were okay when I was little, but they're not important or valuable to me today. They don't belong. If you see a baby eating baby food, you know, and it's just, you know, you forget how fun that is as they're spitting it back at you. But, you know, do you ever in a million years look at a jar of baby food and go, man, does that creamed asparagus sound good? <laughs> of course not, because you, you can have a taco or a steak or a piece of pizza. What do you want baby food for? And it's kind of what Paul is saying. Look, if you go backwards in your life and you try to fulfill the needs that are within your heart and you try to somehow discover meaning out of some of these elementary things, well, you're just going to learn what you learned before. You need help. You need a Savior. And you know, as much as sometimes you don't want to grow up, growing up is a good thing. You can still have fun. But when you're playing with Tonka trucks, do it with little kids, you know, and, and understand that these things have their place. Now, please don't take it to mean so. If you want to smoke a joint, do it with some hippies. But I, no, it's whatever it was that you were enslaved to, it can still have that good memory in the same way that when a child who grew up with a slave 
driving his life and teaching him and guiding him and disciplining him. When he grew up, that slave usually became a good friend, a a nice memory of the past and a great association. And so if you grow up in religion and all you understand is just the fundamentals of what's right and what's wrong and all that stuff, and now you've discovered the freedom that is in Christ, the law is still a good friend. And it's a, it's a great, it should be a great memory. The dumb things that you did in your life, even the things that were sinful, you can look back and say, you know, where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. And I know people who I know that had they not become addicted to alcohol, they probably would have never come to Jesus. And so how do you look at that? Do you encourage people to get addicted to alcohol? No. But if that's what God used to bring you to the point where you discovered his freedom, then look back and go, boy, God had his hand on me all that time. And he does with all of us. He has a a goal in mind, a purpose. He's developing us. And if we stop moving and we just hit the wall, then we're like a pathetic old guy sitting there playing with a truck by himself. Or you go, oh, I'm way past that. Now I have a real big truck that I get to go run over things with. No, you know, he has a little more for you. But whatever is that you are enslaved to, hey, look back at it and go, hey, it did its job. Just like the law. It taught me that it wouldn't satisfy me. It taught me that it wasn't going to cut it. But, you know, when you've discovered what it is to grow up and be adopted by Jesus, to be in his family, an heir to his, well, to be a child of the kingdom of God. And now he says, you're free. Whom the Son sets free shall be free indeed, Jesus said. And that's what he wants for us. And if we go backwards and we fall into just settling for religion or looking into addictive activities that that should have just taught us that they don't work, but instead now we're going to, well, maybe if I tried one more time, it'll work. It doesn't work, but don't go backwards. Paul says, man, if you do that, I'll feel like it's all been a waste, and it's true. If we enter into the freedom that is adopted by the Lord, and he says you're an heir, you've grown up, congratulations. If we go backwards with that, if we fall back into trying to do it the way we used to do it, if we don't accept the fact that You know, you're older now, and you get to do more things that are more important, more significant, better, more rewarding. Don't go back and try to relive the past. If we do, everything we've been through is just kind of a waste. And that was Paul's concern for the Galatians, and that's my concern, frankly, for you and for me too. I'm worried because it's so comfortable to go backwards. It's so comfortable to go back into something that that comforted you in the past a little bit. You know it didn't last, but it's tempting. And you know it doesn't work, but it's like, I don't know. I just don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. I just want to stay back in that simple kind of, no, 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 no. Don't go backwards. God has set you free. You're grown now. And entering into that next step, it's kind of scary, be intimidating. You're entering into the unknown, and so allowing God to work in your life, hey, it's, it's not always the easiest thing to do. Most of us don't like to be stretched. 
But if you won't allow God to stretch you, you will never get beyond where you are right now. And that which you're struggling with in your life, and that which is driving you back toward those elementary things that you already know don't work, those are the very things that are going to lead you to becoming more effective for him, more in love with him, having a deeper relationship with him. He wants to stretch you to get you to a better place. Let go of the toys and move forward with the Lord. And that's what Paul's saying here. Don't go backwards. Please don't. It's, it's pathetic. It's really sad. Oh, listening to a little kid speak nonsense and, and, and baby talk, it's always going to be cute. Something very tragic about seeing an adult talking baby talk all by themselves. It's just, there's something wrong. You know, most of you, when you were little kids, had toy telephones. It's just, you know, some of you even remember when phones used to have a hole in the thing that you'd turn. And, you know, they're fun. Ding, 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 ding. And you pretend like you're talking. But, you know, nowadays, anybody who's over about three years old has their own telephone, a real telephone. <laughs> You can actually talk to people. Now, if you want, you can carry the toy around. Or you can just go, well, look what God's done for me. Look at this communication channel. I don't have to pretend to talk to God. I don't have to talk to Him with a script. I don't have to have put on a phony voice or anything. I can, just, I can say anything I want to Him, and He'll speak back to me. Real phones are a lot better than toy phones. And God, in every area of life, everything you've ever tried to use to satisfy yourself. God has something so much better. Don't go backwards. Let's pray. Lord, when life gets scary and intimidating, threatening, when we're in uncharted territory and you're stretching us, it's it's difficult. But Lord, we understand this is a part of freedom. It's the price of freedom. And Lord, we don't want to trade the freedom that was paid for by your son's blood. And we don't want to just say, oh, we'd rather be slaves to the elementary things of the world. We would rather go back to those diversions and toys that never worked even then that broke on Christmas Day. Lord, help us to understand what your freedom is. Help us to walk in it. Lord, help us to grow up. And not to grow up and become old and stodgy, but to grow up and become everything that you want us to be. Lord, we're ready for that. And some of us, through banging into things, have retreated and settled for religion or settled for diversion or fun or flesh. Lord, help us to get back on track, to move forward with you. Help us to get over ourselves, to get over our hurts, to get over the past, and to grow up and move in the realm of your spirit. And God, I thank you that on those tough days that our daddy our Abba is always going to be there for us, reminding us of who we are and lifting us up and sending us back into the battle. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.